Welcome to Under the Radar, a show about independent iOS app development. I'm Marco Arment. And I'm David Smith. Under the Radar, it's usually not longer than 30 minutes, so let's get started. So a couple episodes back, uh, we did an episode talking through the what we sort of outlined as the three pillars of app development. Uh, so the pillar number one was acquisition, pillar number two is conversion, and pillar number three is retention. And those are the three sort of like legs to the the stool that if you want to build a sustainable business, you want to have uh, an indie app career that has sort of length and uh, sustainability to it. These are the kind of things that you need to pay attention to. And so this this week, we're going to go into the second of those pillars and kind of talk that through. And so we're going to talk about what I'm calling conversion um, and is broadly, you could also call monetization. But it's essentially, it's the now that you have a user, so you've gone through the acquisition phase, you have a user, what are you going to do with them, right? And obviously, part of this is you're providing them utility. But for you as a developer, there is something that you are presumably hoping to get out of that. And this, this is most often money in terms of if you're running a business, this is what you're doing. But it's also just generally, what is the reason that you made this app? And what are you trying to accomplish? And I think it's something very important to start off with every whenever you start to think about how you're going to sort of monetize or convert um, the use of your app is to be very specific and realistic and honest about what it is that you want from the app. Um, because very often, I think I've seen in people, you know, in friends and colleagues and people I've worked with over the years is the sense of it's, if you don't, aren't clear with yourself about what you want this app to be, it's very hard for you to then structure your work and align things towards that. Uh, and as an example of this, it's like, whilst many App people are, you know, are an app, indie app developer because they want to, you know, make a living of this, have it be a business. There are also many people who I think kind of vaguely would say that, but in reality, what they really like is they just like making software and putting it on the app store. This is a side hustle for them. It's a thing that if, you know, if it buys them a cup of coffee every week, like that would be amazing. Like their goal is not really to truly convert the app in that way. It is more something that they're doing as a hobby, as a passion project, as something that um, they are doing on the side. And if you're going down that road, then you don't need to worry about some of the aspects of this in quite the same way. And I think in many ways, you would be have more fun, get more enjoyment from your hobby, get more satisfaction from this process, if you were honest about that, and just didn't try and go down these roads and went through all the pain and suffering this involved in setting up, you know, in app purchases or subscriptions or the dealing having to deal with app review for a lot of that stuff. Like there's a lot of these aspects of this that are become increasingly complicated, the more you go down this road. And so I think it's just something to about before you even start, it's like, what is your goal? If your goal is to make a living? Is your goal to make an app that will one day be acquired? Is your goal, you know, to sustain uh, and support a large team of developers? Like, depending on where your goals are with that, you're going to have very different uh, sort of requirements and baseline things for what you can do as a result. Because if your goal is ultimately, you know, to be acquired, well, you don't really need to convert users very much. You just need to keep acquiring them and keeping them. Like, follow focus on pillars one and three because the goal is to really just have a nice, big, wide user base. Um, but if your goal is to make, like, kind of a very nice, stable level income, well, then there's certain kinds of income streams that are probably going to be much more uh, important to pursue. And so just, like, before you do anything, like, start with the end in mind there and understand what it is you actually want. And then you can decide, well, how am I going to convert user activity into whatever it is that I want? Yeah, and I think it's important to leave doors open wherever possible for you to change your mind or modify as you go. So, for instance, like if your goal is to get as many users as possible, to leave that door open, you have to either have funding or run things very, very cheaply. So that that way, 
if you get a bunch of users and you haven't figured out monetization yet and you don't want to really like stop the the flow or restrict the flow of new users coming in, you want to be able to keep running what you're doing as cheaply as possible. So what kind of business are you running? What kind of features do you add? How do you implement those features? You know, if, if you're not going to have, you know, a, a huge staff of people, then, for instance, you probably shouldn't have features that rely on major server resources or um, human review or human involvement in the content that's on the service or that's in the app or whatever. You know, because that those are all very staff-heavy or, or server cost-heavy. There's all sorts of decisions you can make, and it really depends on what you're building. Um, and, and so it's this is going to be kind of general broad advice that's not going to apply to everybody because it, it, it the answer to every single business is it depends. But we'll try to do our best here of you know what you know broad themes you should be thinking about. Yeah, because I think it's the, the, what we can do here is hopefully is like I'm I think it's easy to think of monetization as that there's like there is one path that is like the best. And there is perhaps the, for any particular goal, there may be a sort of best thing or a generally like a good place to start. But I think my goal in this is like really it's just to, to kind of lay out this broad menu of different ways that you can sort of convert user activity into benefit to you. Um, and by, you know, sort of having this, a wide view of that, um, can give you much more opportunity to tailor what it is to you and to give yourself flexibility in the future. Or if you find yourself in a place that one path isn't working, very often you can change the business models. I mean, I've done that in, I think, almost every one of my apps that has, you know, had any kind of longevity. The ultimate business model or way that I'm sort of seeking to convert users has changed over time. Some of them started with ads and later had subscriptions. Some of them started with subscriptions and then later had ads. Some of them started as one-time in-app purchases and went to subscriptions. Like, all those kinds of changes are very much possible and very much things that you should be thinking of as you're going through this process of, is there a better form? Is there something else I can choose from the menu that is going to make this a better suit, you know, fit either to your current needs as a, you know, individual or to the app in terms of the way that the platform is growing or changing. Like these are the kinds of things that it's just always good to have in the back of your mind. Like, is there a change? Cause eventually you will probably settle into something. I mean, I can say for, you know, it's like for pedometer plus plus and widget Smith, they've now settled into something that feels really stable and sustainable. It seems like overcast went through like seven business models in <laughs> the first, uh, you know, the first couple of years, but it's, you know, for the last few has at least been very stable and i think it's like eventually you'll find something that probably works in the long term oh yeah and and really i I cannot overstate enough what you said about keeping it flexible keep keep your options open with business model as well and don't be afraid to try to experiment with different models or to make changes if one's not working for you Uh, because yeah you're right like overcast i've tried almost every business model there is and even even settling now on like ads plus plus a paid unlock for things even that, I have done a lot of variation within that model um, and a lot of different you know, different types of ads, What different things that are unlocked, different methods of unlocking them. Like it, and, and it took me a while to figure this out. And in large part, one of the big reasons why I didn't really succeed that much with Instapaper over time is that when the environment around it changed, I didn't change the business, the business model with it. I stuck with my old business model forever and I, I drove it into the ground. And with Overcast... I'm, I consciously was trying to avoid that and, you know, leave my options open, start with a more, you know, defensible business model, a more resilient business model, and be willing to experiment with new things as time went on. And that's, that's worked much better for me than, than holding on to the one forever. Um, but anyway, so let's talk, you know, monetization models. And I think the, the number one that many apps use then for very good reasons is ads. By the way, we're brought to you this episode by Factor. <laughs> 
Factors, delicious, ready-to-eat meals make eating better every day easy. Whatever you've got planned, be ready with pre-prepared, chef-crafted, and dietitian approved meals delivered right to your door. You'll have over 35 different options a week to choose from, including keto, calorie-smart, vegan and veggie, and more. And there's over 55 nutrition-packed add-ons that help make your weekly meal planning even more delicious. So don't delay any longer. Get started today with Factor and have a feel-good week of meals ready to go. There's so much to love about Factor. Their meals are ready in just two minutes. You can fuel up fast with restaurant-quality meals that are ready to heat and eat wherever you are. Plus, you can get snacks, smoothies, and more with a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, including breakfast and midday bites. And Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious, so it's win-win. And flexible for your schedule. You can get as much or as little as you need, choose from 6 to 18 meals per week, and you can pause pause or reschedule any time. There's no prep and no mess. Factor meals are 100% ready to heat and eat. Go to factormeals.com slash radar50 and use code radar50 to get 50% off. That's code radar50 at factormeals.com slash radar50 to get 50% off. Our thanks to Factor for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. See, ads work. Ads are great. Everyone gets what they want. You get a free show and we and the advertiser gets customers and we get money for doing the show and everyone has what they want. And it couldn't possibly be more complicated than that, right? No, I mean, and I think ads ads are amazing. And I think and I say that as someone who makes a very meaningful part of my app. And I think I have my income from them because I think what's amazing about ads is I used to have a very broadly negative view on them. Right. That in the sense of like, oh, ads, they clutter up the UI and all these things. And like that, that is true. But the reason they are pervasive and that they exist in, in lots of places is because they work. Right. It, it is, I, in most advertising, at least of the kind that you would put in an application is my, is you, you know, I get paid when someone clicks on the app or on the, on the ad. Like they, I don't get make any money just for showing it. Typically it's like I make money for, you know, it's like based on the number of clicks and, Inherent in that is the understanding that like lots of people click on the ads that they see in my apps and they're clicking on them presumably because they see something interesting, intriguing that they get some value from. Like there is a benefit to, to them and to the, you know, to the advertiser that the advertiser is trying to get awareness or attract users for whatever it is. And, you know, I'm providing a method for making that connection. Like, I don't love ads as the, like, if, if I only had to pick one method of monetization, I don't think it would necessarily be ads. There's some issues, there's some problems. You have to be very careful about what the kind of ads you show, who's, you know, which brokerage you're using to show the ads. Like, there's lots of issues with them. But the main thing that is so amazing about them is, like, that ads are almost the, like, most directly connected form of monetization where app, you know, you make money the more your app is used. Like that is a beautiful connection that you can't get from hardly anything else. That I mean, you sort of, to some degree, you can get it with subscriptions, um, but that's even that, that. That's a much more limiting, challenging thing because with ads, the nice thing is there's no upfront cost to the user. There's no limit on that user. You're just putting, you know, they, the more they use the app, the more that you you'll make money from the ads, and so you have this delightful kind of like passive connection that is both motivating for me as a developer because the more I, you know, if I can encourage more people to use the app, more people will view the ads and I'll make more money. Like that's great. 
But like that kind of pass the sort of the passivity of it is just a really nice thing. And when I say passivity, it's like you can have a passive form of monetization or an active one. Like, am I requiring the user to really be active and do something? You know, I, I, do they have to open their wallet? Maybe is like that 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 level of, of engagement. Whereas you know, the passive conversion with ads, they just need to be there, and that is kind of a powerful thing. And it's a great place to to start if you have an app that will kind of work well with you know, a large number of users, or even if you just want your app to be used by a lot of people, like there is something just purely fun about, you know, having an app that's used by lots of people. And if that's something that is desirous to you, like potentially think about putting ads in it. Like, I, I don't think there's, that's necessarily a bad thing or a problem. And it means that you can not have to worry about this. You don't have to put up any gates. You don't have to put any paywalls. It's just, you just show ads. And I think there's a simplicity to that, that I think for a long time in my career, I would just sort of like shy away from for kind of these vague philosophical reasons. But like the the more I've been doing this, the less I feel like I have those um, things, because ultimately, the reality is like, the ads are useful to the people. And if you're doing them in the right way, I think you can do ads in a really, you know, sort of skeezy way. But broadly speaking, like, you know, the ads that are shown in Overcast that are showing people podcasts that they might be interested in in subscribing to, like, it's a form of, you know, it's it's, it's almost a form of discovery in addition to, you know, a a form of revenue for you. And so it's like, in some ways, it's like, all three of us win, like the the publisher, you know, it's like, I, 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 it's like, I benefit the advertiser benefits and the, the user benefits in some ways as well. So it's like, it's a very virtuous thing that is hard to get like a win, 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 um, in, in a lot of other ways. Yeah. And I think it's, it's, it really gives everybody what they want. And, you know, that's, again, it's something that it's not going to work for all apps in the sense that you, what you need for ads to work is you need a high amount of relatively low value engagements with your app because the ads are going to pay you a very 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 tiny amount of money each time they are viewed or tapped or whatever and so what makes ads work is apps where people are coming back to them frequently and using them frequently so there are certain business models where this is not going to work very well Um, for instance if the number of users is going to be very low because the app is extremely specialized so for instance if you're making something that's like I want to make software for the people who service the machines that are used in dentist offices. Okay, I'm sure there's markets for that, but it's going to be difficult to make a large ad-based model for that because that's going to be a much smaller percentage of the user base out there than like something that people who like listening to music would use, for instance. Like yeah. that's a much larger group. Um, similarly, you know, if you think about something like those apps where if you had like a corrupt uh, camera SD card and you want to like undelete files on an SD card, the you know, data recovery apps. Uh, this is something that most people don't need. When you need it, you really need it. And generally, you really need it once and then you never need it again. <laughs> so yeah. it would not make sense to have an ad-based version of that because you're giving a very small number of people something that has very high value to them once. And then they're probably not using it a lot after that. So if you made a penny from that ad that was shown, that's not a great business model for that case, whereas you could have probably charged them 30 bucks for the app or whatever, you know, and and they would have had the value in that. So it depends on, you know, again, everything depends, but it's useful to know, you know, what kind of situations ads are useful for. And it's what you would think, high volume, you know, frequent engagement kind of apps. So, you know, in Overcast case, it makes perfect sense because typically if you listen to podcasts at all, you probably listen to them regularly people who use overcast tend to use it you know every day or at least every couple of days or multiple times a day so you know they're in there a lot so you know judgment wise ads are great too because 
if you if you're being very precious about your app pricing and you're saying my app is going to be paid up front or paid only somehow and I, I just don't want to put ads in it. I mean, look, again, for many apps, that makes sense. However, there will be a lot of people who will be interested in your app, which is a very, very hard thing to get. Like sure. people who are interested in your app, that's that's a, a very valuable resource that if you try to pay for that resource, sometimes by buying ads, um, it's very expensive to buy that resource. So you, if people are already interested, that's an amazing thing. And if you turn them away with a paywall as the only way to experience your app, you are turning away a valuable resource. And depending on what you're making on the other side, that might be worth it. But it's useful to know, okay, I'm turning away these people, so it better be worth it. Because otherwise, if you offer a free version with ads, then you get to capture basically 100%. I'm obviously not quite, but like, you know, all the interest that is in your app, you will be able to capture all of it because all the people who are interested enough to try it for free, but not interested enough to pay you 10 bucks a month or a year or whatever, you will capture way more of those people than zero. Whereas if you don't have any free option with ads, then you will get none of those people. You know, you'll only get the ones that are willing to pay you who are very interested or very wealthy or whatever. And you're turning away huge parts of that market. So again, it depends on on what you're going for. If you're going for a, a market where things are specialized or people are, you know, have more limited options or are desperate for some reason or have very high value associated with your app, then it's like you know charging for food in a baseball stadium. You can charge whatever you want, and people will come. But if you are in kind of the broader environment of you know this huge sea of apps that most people can take or leave because there are just so many to choose from, it's best to let as many people in the door as possible who are already knocking on it. And I think something you said that that is just really probably worth like expanding on is this the sense of. Whenever we're trying to monetize our app, it's an understanding of looking at your app and seeing there's a spectrum of sort of user engagement and the value that the user is receiving from your app. And like that, that, that is an, it sort of exists on a spectrum where you could go from the, you know, on the one end, you are, you know, you're in your example. It's like you, you have an application that is going to retrieve someone's wedding pictures that only exist on this SD card and the value to them is like functionally infinite. Like there is a tremendously high value on your ability to do that to them. And it goes all the way down to the other end where the app is providing just sort of like light amusement, like barely, it's barely useful, very like if there's a very, and not not like I'm not saying that in a judgmental way, but it's like, it's a different kind of utility that you're providing. And your hope in monetization is to sort of capture all of the different levels of utility that your app is providing and to sort of capture that utility and that value to the user in terms of value and revenue to you. And like advertising is fantastic for places where the utility that you're providing is only sort of slightly valuable to the user, that it's the nature of what it's doing is that each individual interaction, each individual thing is relatively you know, low value to the user. If a user didn't open your app that one time, it's not going to make a huge impact to them. And so if you tried to monetize a kind of low value to the user, but potentially high frequency situation with something other than ads, you're almost certainly going to sort of fall down because you're trying to count, you know, you're saying, even if it's like, I'm going to offer, I think the cheapest in-app purchase you can have is 49 cents, I think now, something like that. Like, and you say, you need to pay 49 cents uh, to use the app. It's like the user, the user might say, it's like, well, the app is kind of like only providing me with a tenth of a penny of utility 
Um, and so why would I pay 49 cents, even though that's not that much money in absolute terms, but it's like, there's a massive mismatch there. Whereas with ads or those kinds of models, it's like you, you're providing them with a 10th of a penny of utility and you're receiving a 10th of a penny of, you, you know, of in, income back from them. And so there's a beautiful similarity to that. But then as you move up in the sort of utility spectrum, that's where you can start to get into other ways potentially of trying to capture that value that you're creating. And that's where you start to get into like either in-app purchases or subscriptions or places where you have more opportunity to capture it because you're targeting someone who's getting more out of it. And this is very often and very commonly is, you know, you'll have the base use case of the application where it is, you know, sort of broadly applicable, but the relative utility is a bit lower. But then you have areas of the application or certain users of your application for whom it may be like, oh, I'm the kind, you know, I'm the power user. I'm the one who uses this in a very powerful way that provides a lot of value to the user. And as soon as you start providing more value to the user, you create more space to, for you to sort of like, I guess, I don't know, harvest that value. Like that sounds a bit negative, but I think it's like a good model for this is you're trying to kind of keep in step with your user. If you provide them more value, they should be providing you with more value as well. And like that balance is a good thing because that means it's incentivizing the right things that I'm as a developer incentivized to give the powerful you know, very advanced user of my application, a wonderful experience, because by providing that to them, you know, I'm making money, they're making you, you, you sort of utility and everything works out. And so like, you're trying to match those things along the spectrum. And I think right now, the main way that people tend to do that is with subscriptions in software applications. Like these were added as a, a means, oh gosh, what was it? Three, four, five years ago, something like that, where previously it existed only for content. But like, since then it's been huge, um, in terms of my ability to focus on, you know, sort of power user in, you know, features in depth in my applications. And there's a, you have the same connection, uh, that you have in ads where there's a connection between the use of the app and the income you get from it. Because the nature of a subscription is if you stop delivering the value, the subscription revenue disappears. Whereas even in the paid upfront model, um, or the one time in a purchase, the issue is, once I've got your money, I've got your money. And I'm, I, I, the, there's a mismatch of incentives because the user wants to receive that benefit forever. And I have no incentive to provide it to them. Like that, that is a really tricky thing. And anytime I see a user who's, you know, a, or a developer who says something sort of like the, like a lifetime unlock or a lifetime thing, it's like lifetime is a long time. Hopefully, <laughs> Like that is a really tricky place you're putting yourself into and you're misaligning your incentives. Whereas a subscription is fantastic because you are perfectly aligning your, you know, your incentives where I continue to provide, you know, utility to the user and they continue to get benefit. And those two things work well. And that's like works fantastically for like, if I, if in a lot of my apps, I have this two tier model where I have like high value customers and low value customers and my low value customers make me money, you know, my, my tenths of pennies from their engagement with the ads and my high value customers are on a subscription. And those two things work really well in parallel uh, and provide a lot of opportunity for the app to have a really nice, sustainable, dependable income stream um, that for me has worked really well and has worked a lot better than trying paid upfront or one-time in-app purchase or those kinds of models, which can work for certain things. Like there may be a situation where that makes sense because like in the example of the SD card recovery tool, it's like they may only ever use the app once. And so you need to 
capture their value like right away and in, in you know in a one-time purchase way in a way that doesn't make sense to have a subscription to that because hopefully they're not corrupting their SD cards on a regular basis like that's a different problem um but generally speaking for a nice sustainable long-term indie development kind of like lifestyle business that you know you and I both have and enjoy like that combination of subscription plus ads is like seems super super good and aligns the incentives so well for the long term Oh, yeah. And another reason is just, you know, diversity of income sources. I mean, that's that's a huge benefit to any any business. You know, the ad market, for all of its benefits of being, you know, relatively easy and satisfying everyone on all sides. Um, the problem with the ad market is that it's a roller coaster. Uh, the ad rates go up and down like crazy. Uh, right now, we're in a down period for most types of ads. I don't know anybody with an ad-based business who is very happy about how 2023 went for them. <laughs> it's true. Sure. Like, uh, Overcast is, the Overcast ad income is down something like 40% year over year. Uh, it's it's a huge it's the it's the biggest drop I've ever seen uh, in in the history of me running ads like and the longest running drop so far too. Uh, but what's great about the business model is that that's not the only way I make money. I also make money from the premium subscription to get rid of ads, and this is such a good model for apps that have the kind of you know the high high frequent usage rates that you know things like Overcast have. Where yes, I have ads that most people see. And for some small portion of the user base who don't like to see ads or who want the pro features or whatever, you know, whatever that differentiation is, they can pay me a subscription and then they don't see the ads and they get a couple more features. That model is so effective because, first of all, again, everyone gets what they want. Most people who don't care about the ads, they get a free app. And that's what most people want. Most people don't like spending money and they want their apps to be free and they'll, and they'll put up with ads because they don't care. They, they'd rather see the ad than spend the money. For some people, that's flipped around. For some people, they would rather spend the money than see the ads. And so both people can be satisfied. Both groups can be satisfied. And then I get a diverse uh, stream of income. And the subscriptions are amazing because I have, I've never had as reliable and steady income from apps as I have with subscriptions. Like, you know, before I, when I was doing paid up front or when I was doing a one-time in-app purchase to unlock stuff, that was always an even bigger roller coaster than ads like that. Talk about roller coasters. You know, you, you'd, your app would launch or you you'd do a big update. You you get a big spike of revenue uh, if you were lucky. And then it would just trail off and it just crash down. And you'd, you'd see that line just slowly going down over time as you're like, oh, how do I get more people to you know use the app or get my existing users to buy an upgrade or whatever? Subscriptions are just even like i you know yeah there's some churn and there's some spikes here and there of like new users but it's way more even than anything else i've ever seen you know i can count on that money every month coming in and being roughly in a certain range and it's amazing um so i i would strongly recommend like you know if your app works for for that kind of model of ads plus optional subscription to get rid of the ads for you know for some reason that is a great model to have. It works very, very well. There's a reason you see it so often in apps because it works for everybody, for the customers, for the developers, for the advertisers. It works great. Yeah, and I think that sustainability aspect of it has been is, is huge. And I think what I personally really enjoy about subscriptions too is it's a like that that dependability is coming from almost the inertia of the, your existing user base. Like it is a, I mean, we talked about this, you know, a while back with where I was talking about like the tyranny of the Turing equation it was a great episode. I'll have a link in the show notes to it, but it's like that there's a, there is because you have this existing group of people who are regularly giving you money, you can start to very quickly 
get a sort of a sense and a model for how many of them will continue to do that. And barring some dramatic change, like you know, if you radically redesign the app, maybe you'll have a big spike in drops, or if you increase the price, maybe you'll get a big you know spike spike in churn rate. But if you don't do much, if you just keep the app go you know ticking over in a really positive way, taking care of your customers, like those numbers become very stable and very easy for you to then plan around. That you can get a sense of it's like this is my churn rate, this is my growth rate. You can do a bit of math and end up with like this is is what the app was going to, almost certainly going to make next month and being able to make those kinds of then you can make choices and decide things about you know what costs make sense to take on oh maybe i'd be i'd like to hire a designer to do work on something it's like great you know if you, whether or not you're going to have that money in a way that you're not with reliant on kind of the next customer you're relying on the like previous customer. And that, that is such a wonderful place to be. And honestly, I kind of just love the philosophy of it. It's like, almost feels like I have this group of people who my number one job is, is to take care of them. And that is a kind of a nice, like warm feeling in a way that the, if you're in the paid up front model, which can work for some kinds or the one time in a purchase model, it's like your my mindset is much more of your like, I don't know, like you're hunting, like you're trying to find the next customer. You're, you're out, you're in, there's, there's this like, you're, you're out looking for someone else versus the kind of like inwardly focused, like, okay, these are my people and I'm going to take good care of them. And you hope that more people will join that group and you should still probably be out, you know, every now and then go out and do some hunting. But more generally speaking, you can just take care of these group of people who've demonstrated that they really care about what you make. And if you take care of them, they'll take care of you. And like those aligned incentives just work so well for this and can make for it to be a lot, something that can be very stressful, much less stressful, which is highly recommended and I enjoy. Thank you for listening, everybody. And we'll talk to you in two weeks. Bye.